Thank you for joining us for Light on the Path, an ongoing conversation designed to encourage you from the Word of God as you walk with Him. Please take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd also love to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship at Eastside Baptist Church in Thomasville, Georgia. Be sure to see the show notes for more information and connect with us online at eastsidethomasville.org. Thanks again and enjoy the episode. Well, good morning. It is Monday morning. If you caught this right when it comes out, and we are so thankful to be back with you today. This is Pastor Sean at Eastside Baptist Church. I'm the lead pastor here, and joined with me is... I'm Bill Warren, our outreach pastor here at Eastside Baptist Church, and we are grateful that in the middle of the crazy season of December, you've decided to join with us this morning in our conversation. Super crazy. Yes, it is. We in- we intentionally here at Eastside, at least, we intentionally try to pull back from the calendar a little bit because this is just, I think it's maybe part of our culture. Maybe we're just super busy during the holiday seasons. Can we send that message out to everybody else to yeah. pull back on the calendar, please? Yeah, yeah that's, that's <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, but, you know, along those lines, actually, I, I notice as a pastor that even though Thanksgiving and Christmas, you would think would be very spiritual holidays, right? Mm-hmm. As a pastor, I actually notice that people are the most unresponsive during those times. Hmm. Like um, the services are the coldest and there's just not much response. They, hmm. It's, it's uh, almost like deadpan, you know, as you're looking at deer in the headlights as, as you're preaching. I notice that. I think it's just because we get busy. It's not an intentional thing on the minds of the people. We're just so distracted with everything that comes along with hmm. the commercialization of these holidays and, and so on. So... It's a, it's a challenge for Pastor Bill and I to make sure this remains spiritual ourselves as well, but as we lead the church also. And, uh, you know, this week my kids are in a uh, law... My kid. I actually only have one left that's doing this. Sorry. Uh, Liliana is part of the Logos Theater drama. They come down from South Carolina and spend a week with us um, about an hour away from here in Bainbridge and teach the kids a, a drama, like a musical. They're doing... Um, Pilgrim's Progress. Progress. Yeah, yeah. Great, great story. I'm excited to see it this year. Yeah, they're actually doing it in like um, like a time, what's that called? Um, when you keep it sensitive to the time that it was in. Um, like it almost sounds a little bit like Shakespearean. I got nothing um, for you, brother. Yeah. I got nothing for <laughs> Not you. time sensitive. What is that? All right. Well, I don't know. It's Monday, so <laughs> we, won't, we won't think too deeply on things. Uh, and then also we have first time in what, three, four years? Well, we have, a, time. We have yeah. a Christmas musical going on here. Um, one of the newer members in our church has really uh, taken her passion for music and organized um, a Christmas package involving our kids, our teens, our adults, and we'll be presenting that and presenting the, the, the gospel, really, yep. in musical form this coming Sunday night on the 17th. You're, of course, invited if you're hearing this. Love to have you join 6 us. 6 p.m. If not, I uh, can't guarantee what we'll have as far as live stream. We don't have one of those multi-million dollar live stream <laughs> systems, so <laughs> the music can sound a little hokey. But we're going to do our best. All right, we're going to do our best. And uh, let's get back to topic here. We are, we are with you starting out your Monday morning with the Word of God. We need to hear from God this week. We know you're in church last night, and really this morning your Christianity starts. 
That was just your challenge. That was just your time of correction or encouragement or refocusing in God's house. And today you go out as salt and light. So we want to be a help to you if we can as we bring the word of God to you. Our Kind of our topic today is bringing our requests to a good father, mm-hmm. to a good father. And I think our view of God has... Um, has such an impact, such a flavor in our prayer life. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today and see some of the results maybe of another Christian brother 2,000 years ago who, uh, who obviously thought well of the Lord um, from his prayer life. But, you know, we, I'm going to look at three different passages this morning. And, and Pastor Bill, you just chime in as you see fit with questions or whatever. Not, nothing too deep, though, please. Well, it's early still. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I just love the title because the reality is you said our view of God affects so much the way we, we approach him. And just even that title, A Good Father, there are, there are times I think we struggle to see God as a good God. And so just, just being reminded this Monday morning, that's worth, that's worth the price of admission this morning. It's just being reminded that God's a good God. He loves us. And we're going we're gonna to get into one of my favorite passages uh, here in a few minutes where it just affirms the fact that God has good plans for, for us. And now those plans align with his purpose and his will, um, but, but he's a good father. So I'm excited about our study today. Sorry yeah. to jump in on that. But. No, I, amen. I was actually not to be unspiritual, but charging admission. I wonder if we could make money off of this. <laughs> actually, that would, our, our views would probably go down like to zero so quickly if we charge for this. <laughs> maybe, maybe we go the opposite. We, yeah. pay, we pay for we pay for a listener. We go. I don't know. That's, yeah. That's a good idea. Uh, well, Bribing. Okay. Out, out, of, out, of your, out yeah. of your paycheck? Out of my paycheck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, here we are in Luke chapter 18. You, you've heard probably if you've been in Christianity any length of time, you've heard the parable of the unjust judge, we call it. And so keeping in mind a little, little theology here, whenever you read a parable, we cannot take the entire parable and apply every single person and thing that happens in the parable as if it is, um, it is applicable to us because they're not. The parable is an illustration, and what's applicable to us is the point of the illustration. That's the only thing that we can take from the mouth of Jesus in a parable and say, okay, this applies to us because he's trying to get a point across. He's not at all saying, well, well let's read it here. He's, so it says in Luke 18, 1, He, Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men uh, should always pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? So hmm. you can kind of get confused in, in, the, in the language a little bit there, but keep in mind God is not comparing himself to an unjust judge. He is not um, saying that we're the widow, um, although there's an illustration in that. What is he getting across? Well, he said at the beginning, here's to this end. He spake a parable to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Jesus is illustrating a principle that we are to keep praying and to keep praying and to keep praying and not to quit praying. And when we bring something to the Father, there's an aspect of this that I, I quite honestly, I don't really understand. Mm. Uh, my humanity says, well, God already knows what I need. 
Um, I, I can, I can understand I, my humility and coming in dependence on God, but to keep coming to God hmm. almost as if he didn't hear me, but our God, he says this again in another passage as well. And I didn't write down what the passage was, but, um, and it's not even a parallel passage, a totally different parable where, um, he also reminds us of the persistence that is needed and desired when we come to God in prayer. You know, I, I think part of that persistence, God's, God's goal is to shape our heart like his heart. And so the, the, you wonder sometimes why God would allow, and, and we're going to look at some examples where uh, in Jeremiah, mm-hmm. where the, where the people of God had been in, in captivity and, and God's addressing their, their prayer that came to him through captivity. And, and now they're being released. But uh, you wonder sometimes why God would say, what, cont- let's stretch the process out. But the reality is I think God's heart, God's goal is not our comfort. Um, God's goal is our goal is God's goal is to align our hearts with his heart. And so the more we're focused on the, the purpose of God and we keep coming back. So, uh, you know, we have a friend we're praying for, for salvation and we've been praying for, for, well, since probably for three or four years now. And God's not answered that. We know that's his heart. We know that's his purpose, but the, 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 why the delay in that? Well, God wants to shape my heart and God wants to make, um, the salvation of this friend, a priority in my life. And so he keeps it on our, it, that prayer keeps it in the forefront of our heart. So his goal is to shape our heart. And so persistent prayer reminds us time and time again of the purposes of God in our life. And so, yeah, amen. I mean, I've seen that so many times and I'm convinced more and more that prayer is so much about what God wants to do in our life. Mm. I mean, he, he already knows mm. everything. He even, he even specifically states that he knows our needs already. But he still wants us to bring our needs to him. Hmm. And this is just so um, appropriate, this, this parable here. But then also, you know, along with those lines, you know, we, we have to be reminded not to quit. Hmm. And I know, I know that I've been guilty of this. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't even give us a number of times. Like, how many times do you come and ask? How, when do you stop asking? Uh, he doesn't give us a stopping point. He doesn't. We are to keep on depending, keep on asking and to pray without, without quitting, without hmm. ceasing. He uses that word faint, which is an interesting word because yeah. faint is when you just, you're at the end of your, so he basically says, and you're weary. Just, yeah, just don't, don't get weary. Just keep going. Just keep pushing forward in that, in that prayer. So Amen. yeah. Yeah. And then, and hmm. we look at Jeremiah 29, the passage you're just Love talking about, yes. you know, it's such a hallmark passage, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, Lord of thoughts of peace, not of evil to give you an expected end then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I'll hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me, and you shall search for me with all your heart. And, of course, we know if you read the previous passage here, he is bringing them out, and he's speaking of, I've just had you in exile for 70 years, and I'm going to bring you into a place of blessing. I want you to know I didn't have you in that exile because I hate you or I'm mean, not at all. That's not my thoughts towards you at all. Thoughts of peace. Uh, you needed this exile. Hmm. And how many times we do that, right? We get upset at God or we get angry because of a situation is in our life and God is trying to work out good uh, for us. You know, in Romans eight twenty eight, you know, uh, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And it goes on in verse 29, then he called them. He also did uh, predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the destination. That's the goal. Yes. That's that predetermined goal, that expected end. I want you to be like me. I want you to be like Jesus Christ. And and, go ahead. I was going to say, even that speaks to the importance of context. So so many times, both of those, both Jeremiah 29, 11, 
in Romans 8, 28 are, total, yeah. are quoted totally out of context. When you look at this reality, God is, God is calling the exiles out of, out of a place of um, oppression and, yeah. and, and discipline. If discipline, you will. yes. Yeah. And that was not good or pleasant to the people. But God, God views that within the context of good because he says, ultimately, the goal is to put you back in, in fellowship with me. And so that discipline accomplishes yeah. good. In, in, in Romans eight twenty eight, the idea is not just all things are going to be rosy. It's that God's conforming us in the image of his son. And so there are things that happen in life that conform us to a son that we may not label as good, but knowing the goodness of our God. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, just well, I mean, yeah, so, right. So that perspective can keep us from praying fervently. That perspective yeah. of mm, absolutely God doesn't think well of me. He's, he's putting me in this situation. That's not fair. You know, why me, you know, all these things can keep us from that fervent prayer, that unceasing prayer. But also even, you know, I was thinking, you know, you think of David who, who penned many of the Psalms, hmm. God labels him a man after my own heart. And this was a man that many times, I mean, I, I think of myself many times when I'm not really on a spiritual high, when I'm not mm-hmm. victorious in my Christian life, my prayer life tends to wane as well. And David says over and over, I was counting today when I was studying for this, I don't even know how many times, but over and over with my whole heart, mm-hmm. with my whole heart, I have to believe that that's why God said, David is a man after my own heart. When some of the stuff he did, we would find that type of person in jail today, right. you know, but David's a man after my own heart. Why? Because that's what it is. God knows our heart. That's both comforting and sobering at the same time. Right, right. And David here is, uh, he says in Psalm 119.10, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. And through all of the temptations that David fell to, discouraging times and opposition, that was really always his go-to. And so many of those Psalms were written in periods where, so we, 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 we view King, we view David as King David. Like mm-hmm. that's our, that's what we yeah. think of the, we think of the highs in David's life, but there were, there were decades of David's life where he spent in the wilderness, literally running from Saul mm-hmm. in fear of his life. And yet those Psalms, those same Psalms where he's pursuing God with his whole heart are written in those contexts as well. And I think that points to, uh, God speaks to the, 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 the special bond he had with David because David spent both the good times and bad times, acknowledging God, pursuing after God with his whole heart. So, yeah. Sorry. Well, and his heart was obviously connected to the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, we study through the Gospels every Sunday morning, and that is that is the hallmark of the opposite hallmark of these religious leadership, this false religion that was pervaded by in Israel at that time that Jesus is constantly correcting and warning about, hmm. separating our heart from our religious duties, separating our heart from, um, from, I say our God, but it's, if we're not connected, we're not, there's no salvation if our heart's not connected to God, that that's not real salvation, Mm -hmm. but so much of religion. And if your heart's not connected to God, it's super easy to stop praying. Absolutely. Super easy Hmm. and super easy for your heart not to be in it. Super easy for your prayer to become this, just this lackadaisical check a box. I did it because I have to. And we miss all of the blessing and benefit, I think, of that. You know, we see this even in real life. Like, you know, you and I are both married and had been married for, for years. And, and when, we're not, when we're not fostering a unity of heart and, a, and an acknowledgement of our spouse, even, rela- even conversation within marriage can become routine and, sure. uh, and you no, know, checking right. the box. And, and there's just a difference when we're, when we're actively pursuing the heart of our wife in the way we converse and the way we relate. And that's what Jesus calls us into in prayer 
Uh, it's an acknowledgement of who he is, an acknowledgement of who we are, and then the relationship that's formed because of those two uh, realities. And so prayer is just this ongoing fellowship, a pursuit of the heart of God and making my heart more like God. Um, and, and just that conversation that takes place around that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful Amen. picture. Well, then the last passage we yep. look at is a fellow brother um, that was a co-laborer with the Apostle Paul and you know, laboring together for the church there. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul uh, testifies of Epaphras. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. So we have an illustrate a testimony really of Paul about this brother in Christ, Epaphras, and this is his testimony of him that this brother is always laboring fervently for you in prayer. And I noticed a couple things in there myself. You know, he just openly acknowledges just by the phrase that prayer is work, and it is. Um, it, it is it is an act, almost an act of dying to self. Because we just don't naturally want to pray and spend that time uh, in prayer, but to really go to God in prayer and is is labor, especially mm. when we're talking about what we're talking about, not fainting. You know, mm. yeah. the very idea that this is going to take intentionality on us. We're going to tend to want to faint. We're going to tend to want to let this be a, a box that we check. We're going to tend to want to let our heart drift from the Lord. That's that's our natural man, and that's where He wants to go. But if you've been saved by the grace of God, this is your heart is now connected to the mm-hmm. Lord. I, I love it. I think the reason he's men- mentioned here, we were talking about this before we went on air. Um, the Epaphras is only mentioned one other time in Scripture, and that's in Philippians. Mm-hmm. And it's, Paul labels him as a fellow laborer. Mm-hmm. So really the only thing we know about him is that he's a, a co-laborer with Paul. He, he was at some point engaged in the mission work with Paul, and that he was a passionate prayer. And, and I think the reason it's made mention is because of those two words you 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 brought up earlier at words that i don't typically use to describe my prayer like laboring and then fervently um and i, yeah, I think if we can amen. grasp a hold of the, I, the the realities of our good father and this opportunity we have to bring um our requests to align ourselves with him through these conversations we would be much more our prayers would resemble much more what epaphrases were labor um, there was a purpose behind it. There was there was a goal in, in, yeah. in mind, and it was passionate. Um, and yeah, I love amen. I love his goal in that. It wasn't he wasn't praying for their success in business. He wasn't praying for their health. He was praying that they would stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And what a great what a great that is! Isn't that such oh. an out of the ordinary testimony too? It is. I mean, even in churches. So we all we all have prayer lists in our churches, right? I mean, think about our prayer list. What are what mm. is our prayer list typically dominated by? Yeah. People that are sick. Yep. Now, those are, are legitimate needs. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not, not downsizing. And we're instructed to pray for those. Absolutely. And yes, yes, absolutely. absolutely. But, you know, you and I were talking about this. Why do we put those needs on the prayer list? Why is the prayer list dominated by that typically? Mm-hmm. Because that's where our heart is. That's where our focus is. It mm. is. And it's a good place to, I mean, have, to have compassion on those who are sick and downtrodden. But yeah. if, if you... Mm. and. This is, I've experienced this struggle in, in my fellowship group. We, we try to put um, the name of somebody that we're praying for that we want to be saved, that, that we want an opportunity to witness to, and it's a legitimate struggle to get a list of names for that. 
and it just shows to where, and, and it just happens naturally. I mean, I don't think for a second I have a bunch of um, spiritual rebels necessarily in, in my right. fellowship group. Um, I ha- I'm a pastor, and I have to intentionally think mm. outside my congregation that I'm ministering to at church, you know, as everybody does, who am I praying for? Who, who do I really have a burden for? And I have to intentionally do it myself. It doesn't come naturally. Yeah. It's not just, and, and you were talking about the things we pray for. If I look at my prayer life and I categorized them, I put a pie chart of what I'm praying for, you know, the bulk of that would be things that relate to my life here on earth, you know, financial needs, sure. uh, needs for my children, uh, health needs. And, and honestly, if I'm honest, a sliver of my prayer life is directed toward my spiritual development, spiritual development mm-hmm. of those I'm responsible for and, and the salvation. So, so I take, you know, the, the, this is an amazing challenge out of the, the acknowledgement of Epaphras because his prayer was directed. It was a spiritual prayer. And, and obviously health is important. Financial needs are important. And we're asked, we're told to bring those requests to God, but this was what he was known for. Um, and I, I would, I would to God that that would be the the defining characteristic of my prayer, I think it would change my family's life. It would change my life, change my ministry. Yeah. Amen. So, yeah. Amen. Well, good, good challenge and correction for us today as we examine God's word and what, what God shares with us. Um, God in the flesh, as he illustrates the need for prayer, the need for consistency and persistency in our prayer, the need for fervency, the need to be praying not so much on ourselves or even just on physical things, but on um, the root, really, of everything that a Christian should do. That's our walk with God, our, mm. our standing with God, our, our um, fervency in laboring for the Lord and, you know, and, and being right in line with where God wants us to be in this walk. And it's so easy to get off in those things, and we need to pray for one another yeah. for those, just like Epaphras did. Well, we hope you have a wonderful week. Um, I'm sure you have work ahead of you today, or maybe um, you're working even more and you're running a family today, <laughs> ladies. And uh, maybe you got homeschool for our town. You got CC today, uh, classical conversations. Whatever the case may be, God has started out your week with a plan and a purpose. I know plan sometimes is cliche, but He's laid some steps out in front of you. And I just pray you'd be able to follow those steps and experience. Uh, not just the love of God, but really the fulfillment of living in the will of God. And maybe even God would allow you to see some results this week, Mm. some spiritual results. That's always a wonderful thing when God does that. But either way, live by faith, walk by faith. We'll see you next Monday. Have a great week.